know something that that you've not been taught? How can you know that kids are supposed to act this way? How could you know that that some of the things that he did were abnormal or were not not typical teenage stuff? From his standpoint, do you feel like he is justifiable in being angry about the fact that he was suffering through all of these things and nobody noticed? Not now. Disappointment, I think, is more the word. It's like, wow, how different my life could have been if you would have just recognized it at the time. You're listening to Inside Bipolar, a Healthline Media podcast, where we tackle bipolar disorder using real-world examples and the latest research. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. And Gabe, well, Gabe's not here, but I've got one better for you. And I know you're thinking, who could be better than Gabe? Well, it's the creator of Gabe. Gabe's mom, Mrs. Susan Howard, is here with us today. Susan, thank you so much for being willing to do this episode. You're so welcome, and I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So one of the reasons this came about is that I, well, we both get a lot of feedback from listeners, which is awesome. We love it. Keep it coming. Gabe gets a lot of the feedback he gets, but I think the feedback I get is a little bit different. I get messages from the family, the parents, the significant others, the siblings, the best friends, the support system folks are always reaching out to me asking questions, making comments about things we talked about. So we talk about the psychiatrist side of bipolar disorder on this show. We talk about Gabe's experience with bipolar disorder as a patient. So today's show, we're going to talk to the people that love the people who have bipolar disorder. So I just want to start with, tell me about like little Gabe, like little Gabe, little, was, was he like, was he full of energy? Was, did he have a lot of personality? What's little Gabe like? As you probably know, he has a lot of personality. <laughs> he has always had a lot of personality. He has always come up with things that you wouldn't think a young child would come up with. Little Gabe was absolutely the perfect little boy with the exception of typical toddler stuff and elementary age stuff and things like that. It was the teenage Gabe that was the problem. Ah, okay. So teenage Gabe arrives on the scene. Here we are, I'm assuming late 80s, early 90s. Yes. Late 80s, early 90s, and here's teenage Gabe. What kinds of things did you notice about teenage Gabe? I pretty much noticed that he was very defiant. He always pushed my buttons, I guess is the best way to put it. He always had to have the last word. He argued with you till there was, till you would get so frustrated that if you didn't hit something, you would have hit him. Very disrespectful. He did manage to, to upset the adults around him. Mm. At the moment, did it feel intentional? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But he was also my first child, who I had at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And the joke that, that my mother used to say all the time, it's just a shame you can't raise the first one and throw them away. Had this been my third child, I might have recognized it 
wait, this is a, this is a little beyond defiance and disrespect. Mm-hmm. And that whole, you know, raise them and throw them away because the first one's always the hardest. We, we, that's yes. the one we make the most mistakes on. That's that's mm-hmm. the one that that we do all those things that years later we think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Did I really do that? Yeah. Right. Did I say yeah. that? Did I do that? Mm-hmm. No, I, I I get that for certain. So when when Gabe was going through that that phase, that teenage maturity. I'm a young man, not a boy, all of, all of those things, uh, the things that most teenage boys go through. Looking back, knowing what you know now, at what point do you think that the the signs of the fact that he could have a mental illness, at what point did those things kind of come out? Recognizes in the, in the late 80s and the early 90s that mental health was not something that was talked about. Mm-hmm. It There was zero education. And there was periods of time that he listened to us really well. And then there was periods of time that he didn't. But again, I knew nothing about bipolar. I knew nothing about mental illness. It wasn't something that was in our family. And I just thought he was your typical teenager that just had a little bit more voice. Now, in all fairness, and we've talked about this, I had Gabe at an early age Mm -hmm. from a previous marriage that did not last So Gabe's bio dad pretty much abandoned him. My thoughts of his disrespect was because his father abandoned him and he was not my husband's biological child, which, believe me, was never, ever went in. If anybody had Gabe's back, it was his dad, the dad that raised him. But in my mind, I gave him an excuse of, it's because his bio dad was abandoned him. That was really my thoughts. That's what I blamed a lot of his his acting out on. Yeah. And of course, it's all in perspective now, but not 30 years ago. Not 30 years ago. No, absolutely. And I mean, that does bring up a good point because I think as as parents, we, we're always trying to figure out what could be wrong. Like we always want to fix our babies. Like as moms, we're like, what's going on? We're going to fix this. Like something, something's wrong. There's a hurt. I'm going to bandage it. It's going to be fine. That sounds great. Was there ever a point where you thought, oh, this is not working. Like, we need to do something else. Or did you write it off as this kid is just not going to do the right thing and we're going to have to deal with that. I don't think I would say I wrote it off. Okay. I would never have have that. But there was one point that he made me so angry. And of course, I have no idea what it was that I actually called Children's Services to see if I could have him removed from my home. It was a split. It was in the moment of anger, I picked up that phone and I said, then you don't need to live here anymore. And I actually made the phone call. In part of my mind, I'm thinking I'm trying to get a reaction from him. But in the other part of my mind, I was dead serious about, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. He pushed, like I said, he pushed all of my buttons, all of them. He always had to have the last word. He, and of course, in one sense, that hasn't changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh gosh. So, some of that is just personality. <laughs> some of that we can't fix. Yeah. But as a mom, I can only imagine I have two children of my own, and I, I can only imagine that you were driven to a place that you just had never been and never thought you would go. 
Because I can't imagine making the decision that I would rather just have someone take him than for me to have to continue to deal with it. So that tells me that was a really dark space for you. It was. It was. And fortunately, it was a fleeting moment. And and of course, he shares that when he was 17, he moved in with my parents. It was either move in with my parents, or he was quitting school and going out on his own. That was that was what he was thinking. But he always, like most kids, oh, I wish I was dead. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. I remember thinking it, and I'm not mentally ill. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was thinking it all the time. But when he said it, it was the first time when I talked to my mom, I said, Gabe says he's going to kill himself. And mom said, do you think he will? I said, for the first time in his life, I'm not sure. And that was at 17. And that was at 17. And that was the decision. And I thought, well, if he goes and lives with mom and dad, he has more respect for them than anybody in the whole world. You know how he talks about his granny. Yes, yes. And, and my dad. So it was, it was a decision that was hard, but I can't tell you how relieved I was that he was moving. So once he got to grandparents, did the behaviors get better? Did they continue? The behaviors got better because he had their my dad was retired. My mom didn't work. Well, you know what I mean when I say yes. didn't work outside the home. Yes. And they kept on him. They kept on his teachers. They kept on him. They did things with him. They constantly were watching him. Not because he was mentally ill, because we didn't know it. Right. But because they were there. They were concerned. He moved there for a reason. So he could get his education and so he could be out of the situation where we thought was our home. And we know better now. But at the time, very much, uh, he was, you know, bickering with his siblings. There was things going on around him. I worked outside of the home, hence part-time, but I still did. Husband, his dad, he was an over-the-road truck driver. So you know how often he was home. Yes. Every other day for 10 hours. He was not, he was not, I, I always I always said I was a single mom with a husband benefits. Yeah. Uh, the, the income that could support us. So, and, and I only worked part-time. I did not work full-time. So... He gets the grandparents, and I think it's worth pointing out that he had a lot of support. A lot of support. And it sounds like the level of support that he had is just not a level of support that most family systems are able to give to any child, let alone, you know, a child who has had some of the problems that Gabe had coming into it. You know, I'm, I'm sure somebody's listening and they're like, well, why couldn't she do that? Why couldn't she give him that level of support? Well, it's a whole lot different being the grandparent who's retired and who has all the time and attention to dote on the grandkid than the, the mom who's like she said, a single mom and raising two kids and having to work. Actually, three children. There's three of three them. Three children. Yeah, so raising three children yeah. and having to work. And so I, I don't want people listening to think, well, she could have done that. Why'd she have to ship him off to, to her grandparents? Listen, grandparents live a whole different life than parents. It, it is, I'm sure that now you're in the grandparent phase. You're, you're appreciative of that, of that phase. It's fantastic, I hear. I, I'll get there one day, I'm sure. <laughs> it is. So... They get him out of high school, I'm assuming, grandparents. Yes. 
Yes. And here he is, young adult Gabe. So now we've moved into yet a new set of roadblocks for him to have to navigate. Knowing the troubles he'd had up until that point, what were your concerns as a parent? To be honest, I didn't have any. He didn't live in the same area I did. So I didn't see sick adult Gabe. I didn't see that side of Gabe. As a mother, we have a tendency to put on blinders and not see. Those glasses are very rosy. What's right in front of us. (laughs) He's had a great past couple of years with my parents. Like, life is good. Exactly. So to quote Gabe, I'm a Pollyanna. Okay. If you want to know my personality, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm one of these people that can shelf things. Mm -hmm. If it's not, if I'm not in the moment, I can leave it where it's at. Okay. So I just didn't deal with it. That's pretty much sums it up. I didn't deal with it. Okay. Ostrich, head in the sand. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So didn't deal with, like, didn't even think about all those things because it wasn't helpful in the moment. You needed to, in the moment, be supportive to Gabe. And I felt like I always was. We never weren't there for him. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't a matter of we weren't there. But like I said, pushed. Every single, and as an adult, let me tell you, he went off on me. You can, you can hear it. I know you don't see that side of Gabe because that side's not there anymore. It's, it's, it's taken care of. That's the, the, the illness. I know that now. You said that you all were supportive the entire time. Do you think Gabe felt supported in that, in that moment or in those moments? No, not in that moment. He was mad at me. So <laughs> looking back, I mean, in the, in all the moments, all the, all the angst years, do you think there's anything now that you would have done differently to, to be supportive uh, during that time? Well, first off, I wouldn't have ever, ever. Now I realize that it wasn't because bio dad abandoned him. I had nothing to do with it. Right. It, it, nothing to do with it. So I would have known that and might've taken a different course in, in how I reacted. And then, of course, he would have been properly, uh, properly doctored. You know, mm-hmm. we would have had him um, to uh, a psychiatrist or a psychologist that recognized the, the kind of help he needed. Uh, kind of the, the difference on what we would have done. Mm-hmm. You would have got your child the help that they needed. Right. So just more aggressive and sooner. Exactly, exactly. More aggressive and sooner mm-hmm. care. Okay. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things that Gabe talks about is his family and the support that you all give and the fact that even through all of the disagreement and the discord, you were still there. Like you were able to upset him because you were still present. And it sounds like it was very hard. It was hard. For you to be present and to continue to be present and to not walk away. I get a lot of feedback from people saying, like, I gave up on my loved one. They have bipolar disorder. They won't do right. They won't, you know, I, I can't continue to deal with this. And I'm, I'm just done. Like, I, I listen to your podcast. I hope that one day this person comes around. But for now, I can't do it. I can't do it. What, what kind of advice do you have for people who are in that situation? I don't know that I would give them advice. I can only give them As a mom, I can't imagine walking away from my child. There are different levels of what different people have been through. Mm -hmm. I had an out. I had my parents. 
So I kind of had an out. And then when he was at his lowest, he was married. So there again, I didn't deal with that. So would I have thought about walking away if I was the one dealing with what Lisa dealt with? Uh, maybe. I'd like to think I wouldn't, but I'm a realist also. You know, what do they say? If somebody's toxic in your life, walk away. Yeah. I don't know that I could have ever done that as a mom. You know, do as I say, not as I do. So, <laughs> yes. yes, I get that. It is hard to think like, oh, this is my kid. Um, and, and the advice that I typically give family members is if you have to walk away, nobody's going to fault you for that. You know, because like you said, there are so many levels of things that family members have to deal with at the hands of of someone who maybe isn't in treatment yet and whose symptoms are pretty severe. And, and it can it can get pretty severe. I tell them if you have to walk away, that is OK. Or don't get the medication it takes that takes time. Yeah, it does take time. It does take time. Six years before Gabe's got six years, not six days, not six weeks, six years before he got his medication to where he's where at where he's at now. It did not happen overnight. No, it is, it is not a quick process. And everybody wants this. Give me a pill. I want to fix it now. That is not how it works. Yeah. And recognizing that. And there again, like I said, Lisa's the one who 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 got the brunt of most of the transition for him from sick from the worst to where he is now. So sometimes walking away is the answer. Um temporarily. I do always tell people sometimes you have to walk away and sometimes you even have to close the door, but you don't have to bolt it and cement it closed. It can be a door that is able to be opened. If and when that person gets to a point where you're able to to open that door again safely for both sides, um, and 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 that and that is a tough decision, I think, for a lot of people to make. Wow, walking away was never in my thoughts process. I never thought about walking away, even when I was calling children's services. It was more of a scare tactic for him, and a cry for help for the whole system. Yeah. Yes, yes. And and it's like, I, I don't know how much more I can do of this. But again, there are times when he was great, times that he wasn't. Yeah. But we know that now. Yes. So you all put the work in. You we did. did the research. You learned about bipolar disorder. What did you do? Did you read books? Did you go to support groups? How, how did you all do that? We went to a NAMI support group and learned a little bit more of that. Um, and did the NAMI walk even and you know, went to several, uh, several meetings to learn more about, about bipolar. So organizations like NAMI, Mm -hmm. where you were able to gain support, you talk to other people who've been where you are. Yes. uh, That, that was very helpful. And family members. Yes. Family members, for sure. Um, I think that is one of the greatest things about NAMI. Mm -hmm. Shout out to NAMI, because they do provide a resource that you just can't hardly find because people don't know, People don't know what to say to you when they find out that, oh, your kid's been diagnosed with a mental illness like bipolar disorder. And people give you horrible advice um, on things that they think you should do. Oh, yeah. Oh, he'll get over it. That's not real. And I still hear that. And I said, oh, let me tell you, there is nothing not real about mental illness. And until you have a close family member, sadly, nobody's going to believe it until they personally deal with it, Mm -hmm. you know, at some close range. 
everybody in our immediate family and even our extended family understand mental illness now. But only because of people like you, people like Gabe, uh, people like all the other advocates for mental illness. That's the reason we know more about mental illness. So at no point, because I do find this fascinating, so I will (laughs) tell you, I I work with a lot of families and uh, I, (laughs) I get a lot of calls from families with lots of questions. So at no point, did your family have any meetings that didn't involve Gabe where you talked no. about bipolar disorder, how you all needed to support him, maybe calling somebody out for not supporting him? None of these things ever had to happen. I would say, if anything, my mom and I would talk. We are very close. Okay. I would say we would, okay, what are we going to do about Gabe? And like I said, when when I called to say that this is the first time I wasn't sure that Gabe wasn't going to go through with suicide. That was the, the the first time that I was never, otherwise, you know, you took it as a teenager making a threat, you know, and, and like Gabe so lovingly always says, yeah, I stayed up all night and then didn't want to get up in the morning. Yeah, no teenagers has ever done that. I went to, uh, you know, I yelled at my parents. Yeah, no teenager has ever done that. Uh, all these things that he did, every teenager has done in their life, or at least most teenagers. Yeah. So when it came to that particular moment in his life, kind of the the pivoting point of whether or not he was here today or not, uh, getting his education was was first and foremost. But then when it all came to a head, okay, uh, what can we do? He was in this, to the financial support as much as we could, we did that. And uh, we got to make sure Gabe has his medicine. Absolutely. Uh, As it ends up, it was never an issue. But believe me, we were going to make sure he had his meds. So in that sense, we had those kind of support, but not, you know, conversations, I guess is what you're looking for. But at no time did we all sit down and say, okay, we have to do this so Gabe doesn't get upset or we have to do this so so Gabe knows we're supporting him. Gabe knew we supported him. When you talk about things coming to a head, like what did that look like? Lisa calling us up, his, his girlfriend at the time, saying that I just put Gabe into a mental hospital. It's like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, I mean, I knew he was he was depressed, but everybody gets depressed. That doesn't mean there's something medically wrong with you. That just means you're you're depressed. Yeah. And so coming to a head was was that moment. I didn't know that he was planning suicide. I didn't know that uh, he was giving all his stuff away because he wasn't going to need it anymore. I didn't know any of this stuff. I don't know if you want to say I had my head in the sand or just, of course, he's going to be sad. He was getting divorced from his high school sweetheart. Of course he was sad. So there again, normal stuff that people are sad over. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back with Gabe's mom discussing bipolar disorder. So you've you've used the word Pollyanna and we've talked about the ostrich, but this was that moment where you couldn't put it on the shelf. Like it, it was right in front of your face. No, no, I could not shelf it. You could not put it on the shelf. You couldn't pretend you couldn't come up with other. It was right there in your face. And I cried about it. And, and I, w- when we moved him into the apartment, would he so, I don't want to say lovingly, but what he called his suicide apartment. He took that apartment and I'm telling you, I, I didn't think it was as bad as my husband did, as Gary did, as Gabe's dad did. I didn't think it was as bad as, as I didn't think it was all that bad. Going in was pretty disgusting, but I thought, well, you know, you got to get a place to live yourself on your house. And when we helped him move, we actually drove all night. My husband got back from a trip. Gary got back from a trip and we actually drove all night. We're 600 miles from, from Columbus. Mm-hmm. And we drove all night to help him move. And Gabe sat there and didn't help move. It's like, come on, this is your place we're moving into. And Gary, he got it right now. He said, no, it's okay. He's upset. We'll take care of this. And I was, it's okay, Gabe. We'll fix it up. We'll clean it. We'll get curtains. We'll fix it all up. We'll make it look nice. It's not what he wanted to hear. But Mm -hmm. the Pollyanna in me, don't worry, it'll be fine. But of course, he knew what his plan was. I did not. Yeah. You said that you cried when you you were faced with that knowledge. And um, in the moment surrounding that, did you have any regrets about how you would handle things up until that point? I would say no, just because I didn't know, just because ignorance is bliss, so they say. Yeah, would I have handled things differently? I don't know that it would have made a difference. Only if I knew that he had a mental illness, sure, that would have made a difference if I didn't do anything about it. But you can't fix what you don't know. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. The signs, yeah, they were there. But again, were they there? Were they that dominant? And I wasn't around. I was 600 miles away. I was not part of Gabe's everyday life when it came to a head. When everything happened. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that Gabe thought you should have done more? I don't know. That never occurred to me. I suppose, I suppose in the back of his mind, he was, hence why he was mad at me for years. Why did, actually when he would... When he read what I said, what is bipolar? I've never heard, I've heard the phrase, but never paid attention to what it was. And he read the, the definition of, of what bipolar was. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, that is you, Dr. Heckle, Mr. Hyde, no in between. There was no middle ground for Gabe. So in that sense, and that's one of the reasons he was so mad at me. The signs were there, mom. Why didn't you see them? Why didn't you get me help? So yeah, I'd say, yes, he was, he was angry at me that uh, uh, we had the signs and we ignored them. 
but we didn't ignore them. We didn't know. Would I do it differently? Oh, absolutely. But again, until you know somebody and you actually go into the depths of of what all this means, mm-hmm. that's where all this information is so wonderful now. It, it, people aren't so quick to say, oh, you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. They're more more apt to to just not bury their hand, head in the sand. So, yeah. Yeah. Things are very different now. Thank Thank the Lord. Things are very different now they than, are. They were, than they were in the late 80s, early 90s. So we've talked about the moment where things really kind of hit home for you and, and, and lots, of, lots of things were made clear. Things were very clear all of a sudden. So once you find out that Gabe is in this hospital and you've had your tearful moment, what are your next steps? Supporting Gabe. What do you want us to do? What do we need to do? How can we help you? Do I need to come? Do you need to come here for a while? Do you, what do you want us to do? And that's when he said, I want you to learn about my illness. Okay. And we did. So real eye opener there. It's like, wow, I, I was one of those, you'll get over it. Just suck it up. I know better now. How did your view of him as a person change once you found out about his diagnosis? I would say it didn't. It didn't. I was always proud of him. He was always charismatic. He was always a talker. Yeah. It was, it's, it's, of course, the now Gabe is so different than the then Gabe, but how he felt about us was always an open book. We always knew he loved us. That was never an issue. And I know you say we were always proud of him. And I think there is a fundamental place where most parents, you're always proud of your kids. Like you you mm-hmm. love them. Like it's like saying, well, I always love my kids. And that is true. Uh, but as a parent, I also know there are times you don't like your kids. Absolutely. So there were some times where Gabe was not likable um, and, and that maybe it was it was hard to see how proud you were of him because of some of the behaviors and some of the things that were going on. But was there still a part of you that thought my kid could be a jerk? Like it could be that my kid's just not a good seed. Like have it, in the moments of the anger, the the things that he was doing and saying in those moments, did you have those thoughts of like, oh my gosh, my kid could not be a good person and then sit that next to then learning, oh my gosh, my kid has bipolar disorder? I don't know if I can define it as good person versus bad person. Was I ever disappointed in his decisions? Yeah, when I found out for a whole six months he wasn't going to school and the school never bothered to tell me. It was like, what? I said, I checked to make sure your car was at school. Oh, yeah, I parked it there and somebody picked me up. Okay. Uh, Those kind of things. Um, So I'm not sure how to quite answer that that will resonate how how I felt about it. Yeah, we're always disappointed in our kids for certain things. Uh, They lied to us. We find out they weren't going to school. We found out after the fact. Mm-hmm. All those kind of things, yes, we find out. And yeah, sure, they you're going to be disappointed, but never, never to the point where, for, for us anyway, or at least for me, never to the point where um, I was going to shut and lock the door. Do you feel like his anger was reasonable? At the time? Probably thought it was typical teenager. Now, looking back, 
Oh, no, no, there was just nothing. He didn't like a shirt, and he threw a temper tantrum in a mall. Because mom wanted liked the shirt, and he didn't. That's not normal. <laughs> You've heard him talk about the wrath of Gabe. That would have been then. Now it's just, really, mom? Okay, all right, I get it. He teases me about my wallpaper. I love my wallpaper. Is it dated? Sure. But believe me, the old Gabe would have been, why are you, I, I would have gotten a, a whole lecture on why I need to change this wallpaper. Whereas now it's like, really, mom? So the difference. So it sounds like looking back, you can recognize that anger as being above and beyond. Now, yes. Kind of the typical anger. But that was something that only really came for you once you educated yourself about the illness and the diagnosis came and and you had that moment where now everything's making sense in a way that it didn't make sense before. Right. And had he been the second or third child, my other two kids, even though, believe me, they did things too, they knew when to stop. They knew when to stop because they could see mom was getting mad. Mm. They knew they were going to have to pay consequences. Gabe didn't care about the consequences. He just kept on going to the point one time I could, I threw a softball, not at him, but above him to get his attention. And then it ricocheted off the wall and hit him. But that's, <laughs> yeah, and you hit me with a softball. He's, he's going on and on and on about it. Did I mean to hit him with a softball? No. Did I care I hit him with a softball? No, because I was too angry. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting to me that you brought up the whole like first kid thing. And I, and I guess I hadn't thought of it in that way because you, you don't have a, you don't have anything to compare to. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. You have no, no clue that something is wrong because you haven't gone through kids who didn't behave that way. So if he was number three, you maybe would have thought, oh my goodness, this is not, this is not it. Yeah. This is not normal. Like this, this is not what I, ex- this is not the normal I expect from raising a child. So maybe you would have asked more questions, but you were a, a young mother, a new mother, and you just didn't really know what to expect. As a teenage mother, as Gabe lovingly says, my mom got <laughs> pregnant in high school. Well, I did. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I did. Gabe so, likes to throw you, he likes to put you under the bus. All the time. He absolutely loves to throw you under the bus. Doesn't bother me a bit. It, does it not? I mean, are no. you, because he says a lot of things about you. He goes into more detail when he's pu- when he's not public. It's like, come on, Gabe, enough of that. But <laughs> you would not believe some of the things we hear. So believe me, you get a a, a much lesser scenario than what he says around here did it ever bother you like in the beginning when he was now all of a sudden going so it never bothered you that never he never he never did it in an angry way so no had he did it in an angry way absolutely it would have bothered me oh yeah you got knocked up in high school and look what happened then it probably would have bothered me but it didn't it doesn't bother me because he always did it in his gay boy. So then it was okay because it wasn't, yeah. the tone was a little different. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Facts are facts. That is true. But do you personally have regret? Do you, do you have regrets about any of those moments? I would all, probably nothing pops out at the moment because the one time I would have had a regret is if I had not 
reached out to my parents when I knew Gabe was at his lowest, one of his lowest points in his childhood life. If I had not paid attention to that, I'm sure I would have had regrets because I don't know that he'd be here today. But yeah, we all have regrets. Uh, There are things that, first off, I shouldn't have tried to have the last word like he wanted the last word. I should have walked away. And I didn't. So in one sense, yeah, I would say there are some regrets in that sense, that I should have been more patient. And but there again, what I thought was the problem wasn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's Gabe, and he's out here and he tells you, hey, I'm going to make a living going public about my illness and educating the world about bipolar disorder. What did you think when he told you that he was looking to go in that direction? The truth? Yes, absolutely the truth. (laughs) I thought he lost his mind again. (laughs) Okay. Are you kidding me? You can't support yourself. It's not that he was doing it. Mm -hmm. Him publicly educating people was not what was the problem. It was how can you make, you've got rent to pay, or mortgage to pay, you got utilities, you got groceries, you got car insurance, you got car. How can you possibly make a living at this? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, yes. But in the sense that he was going public with his illness, no. There is nothing that he has said on his podcasts and his speeches about Gary and I that we have not been supportive of. He can tell it all because it is helping other people and it is not going to hurt us. Yeah, I, I want him to tell it all. I want everybody to know everything because if it helps the next family that has a child like Gabe, then I want them to get that child help right away so they become a productive adult immediately instead of when they're in their 30s. So there was no point in the beginning where you thought, I don't know how I feel about him putting all our stuff out. It never concerned you at all. Never concerned me. Nope. Um, But there was some concern that, like you said, I think he had lost his mind. But that brings up a good point because sometimes when you have a loved one who has an illness like bipolar disorder, it is easy to almost find yourself always on the lookout for like symptoms. Yes. And so when somebody tells you something like, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to become a public speaker and I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure there's a part of you that thinks, okay, is this grandiosity? Are you manic again? Is he manic or what is mm-hmm. this? How do you manage that part of being the loved one? It's been over 20 years since Dave, Gabe was diagnosed. So he's been great for 10. Mm-hmm. So... But what about the beginning? You know, in the beginning of his diagnosis and you all just learning and trying to figure it all out, how did you navigate those moments where, you know, we get irritable, right? We're alive and sometimes we're irritable and we snap or or we aren't as in, in a great a mood. How do you see those things happen and not jump to, oh my gosh, here we go again. He's depressed or, oh my gosh, he's manic. I would say quicker the what's going to happen to him. What is he going to do next? Okay, when this doesn't work, what is he going to do? How is he going to take it? Yeah, that type thing more than, uh, oh, no, he's already lost this job. He hopped to this job, then he hopped to this job. And you have to make a living. Yes, you have to make a living. And, and 
I think that the, the, the social security system for disabled is absolutely wonderful, but we all know you can't make a living on that. You can't live. It's very unfair. Mm -hmm. So getting to where you can find something that you love, be good at it and make a living at it. Sometimes it's two different things. So it sounds like you found yourself in a situation where when these little, little things would happen, like the, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Or, or if there were things that reminded you of, oh, this is what Gabe did when he was depressed and now he's doing his thing. It, it sounds like what you're saying is it took you to a place more so of fear of what's going to yes. happen to him. Yes. So family struggle. They do. I mean, it, and it definitely sounds like your family had a lot of just good foundation to help you all maneuver something this big. We did. We did. Um, and that really, you know, is not the case for everybody. You're right. I listen to Gabe talk about you all on a regular basis. And uh, he it's very clear just how much he loves you all and how much you all love him mm-hmm. and people out there listening, because I know there are family members listening because you all message me frequently uh, <laughs> with all of your questions. I, I do genuinely hope that this was something that you found beneficial because we don't often talk to you. We often just talk to the person who has the illness. So this was definitely a treat, not something that we, we've we gotten to do before. And I'm super, super excited about it. And I just cannot tell you um, how grateful I am to you for allowing me to interview you on this topic. Well, I hope that I helped some family members out there. And I guess what the biggest advice I would give is don't feel bad if you don't do it right. We're not perfect. Just do better the next time. Just recognize that, wow, I should have done something differently and then do something differently. Yeah. But yeah, and you're not going to love them any less. It doesn't work like that. And, and if anybody's thinking about shutting the door on their mentally ill child, do some research. Do some research because it might be better for you, but it definitely won't be better for them. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Inside Bipolar. On behalf of myself and Gabe's mom, we need you to do us a favor. Recommend this podcast to all of your friends. Post it on social media. Send a text message. Mention it in a support group. Carrier pigeon. Whatever works for you. But just share it because sharing the show is how we grow. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Inside Bipolar. You've been listening to Inside Bipolar from Healthline Media and PsychCentral.com. Have feedback for the show? Email us at show at PsychCentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at PsychCentral.com slash IBP or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.